This is your favorite sports podcast on the official Moose's Mulligans website. Left-hander Vic works up and left-hander Don Little ready to go. Here's the pitch to Wirtz. Here's a long drive to deep, deep center field. Leans back to the wall. Makes an incredible catch. Turns and fires it in. What a catch by Willie Ray. Now here's your host, Alex Dreisick. This is Moose's Mulligans, and welcome back for episode 39. As always, check us out at moosesmulligans.weebly.com. Go to facebook.com slash moosesmulligans and twitter.com slash moosesmulligans. So to start you off this week, uh, later on we're going to have Darian Sylvester talking about some really cool stuff and uh, how baseball is really evolving, and honestly, where I think they might baseball might have a second chance to revitalize bringing in African-American players, and uh, I can't wait to talk to Darian about it. It's going to be a great talk. But first, there was a lot going on in the NBA trade deadline, obviously, uh, with all the drama in Cleveland. Let's start there. Wow. So I wanted to look at some of the trades and talk about them real quick. So the Lakers acquired Isaiah Thomas, Channing Frye, and the Cavaliers' first-round pick. So it's a top-three protected and the Cavaliers got back Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. Now, the Cavs, this clears a lot of problems. Obviously, Isaiah Thomas was causing some problems maybe in the locker room as well, but they get a, more of a shooting guard in Jordan Clarkson and aggressive defender Larry Nance Jr. Uh, I mean, Jordan Clarkson helps their shooting a little bit. I really like the Lakers because Thomas and Fry will be free agents at the end of the year, so this clears up Jordan Clarkson's contract. But that first-round pick is going to be important, too, because obviously the Lakers are in a rebuild. Collecting draft picks is going to be huge. So now moving on to the next trade, the Cavaliers traded Jake Crowder and Derrick Rose to the Jazz, and it's like a 2024 second-round pick. So I don't even want to talk about 2024. Uh, the Kings were also involved in this trade. They got Iman Shumpert, Joe Johnson, and some draft picks in 2020 down the road, and uh, the Cavaliers got back George Hill, Rodney Hood, and the rights to uh, a foreign player, Arturis uh, Gutitis. I can't say that name, but I'm sure he'll be great. <laughs> but uh, the Cavs got George Hill and Rodney Hood, which is also helping with their scoring. I think they really looked at the Warriors, and they looked at how old they were and how slow they were, that... Um, they thought they needed to get more scoring. Their defense is already kind of bad, and LeBron needs a little help. As saw, <laughs> he got 19 assists the other night. So I'm, I'm, I'm more okay with this move for the Cavaliers. Jay Crowder hasn't been a great fit. Obviously, Derrick Rose has not been what they wanted, and it's honestly not that big of a surprise to me to say. But the Cavaliers are hoping to get a little revitalization there. And losing Amon Shumpert's not the end of the world for them, especially getting Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood's a very good player. Moving on, the Cavs also sent Dwayne Wade to the Heat for a 2024 second-round pick. Uh, it's, I, that's obviously more for Dwayne Wade to retire and to clear room for another player. 
since Wade. Is, I, he, he's 38 years old, and he is showing it. And it's really sad, but he had a hell of a career. And I think, honestly, he's probably going to retire at the end of this year with the Heat now that he's back. Another interesting move I saw was the that the uh, the Knicks acquired Emmanuel Moutier and the Nuggets got Devin Harris and the Mavericks got Doug McDermott. So this is I like this for the Knicks. It gives uh, Frank Nikila a little more learning curve. Emmanuel Moutier is not very good offensively, as we've seen every now and then he'll go on cold streaks. But the thing with Nikila is he's so young. You bring in another guy that can help kind of ride the tide. And with Porzingis out for the year, Moutier's you know still young. I'm I'm good with that. You know I'm I'm okay with that for uh, for New York. Uh, the last one I really want to point out was the Pistons got Jameer Nelson for uh, the the Bulls sent uh, the Bulls got Willie Reed from the Pistons. Uh, this just helps out on they got Blake Griffin right. We already know that trade with the Clippers. So now that they're buying into saying hey we're gonna have a max contract on Blake Griffin for I think it's four years we need some help so you get Jameer Nelson at the guard you still have Drummond Young you have Stanley Johnson learning Bullock learning and you hope that I don't think it's this year they really think I know the Cavs look weak but they're gonna look even worse next year probably with LeBron gone I think they're building for next year hoping that they can get enough to beat the Celtics and the Raptors who are going to be I think the two best teams in the east for the next two to three years here Overall, it was a pretty exciting trade deadline in that we saw some big names go, and we saw Cleveland really shake it up, and now we get to see how it plays out. Uh, a lot of people saying that Cleveland's moves opened the door for LeBron James to go straight to uh, to L.A. after this offseason. Honestly, I mean, I think they were still building for this year. Obviously, when you trade away draft picks, it means you're committing to this year. And I think it was uh, the best they could do with what they got because they already invested everything in this year. you got to sell out for this year now. And you're going to probably lose LeBron. Hey, <laughs> try to get that ring now because you've already done enough to lose him. So might as well sell out right now. Uh-oh. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we got Darian Sylvester coming on. Some good stuff here on the Simoleons. on the official Moose's Mulligan's website. Winning. Because we only have one rule on this team. What is that rule, Twiggy? ELE. That's right, ELE. What does ELE stand for? Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. Got that, Monix? Nope. Now here's your host, Alex Dreisick. Back here on Moose's Mulligans with me, your host, Alex Dryzak. Make sure to check out uh, our new article. If you go to moosesmulligans.weebly.com, you can go to the tab that says Articles, click on Articles, and we've got a new one up on becoming more aware of athlete abuse, and it really just states all the facts that we have been accumulating 
and it's all the things I think we need to address. I'm really trying to open the door on this discussion, so give that article a look. Next up right now, we were hinting at it about all the changing with black athletes in baseball, and now I want to bring on Darian Sylvester to talk about it. So we're going to bring on Darian Sylvester, a very skilled mixed baseball player. Uh, So Darian, we were talking about how the latest stats have 27% of African-American players in the MLB in 1975, and uh, today it's around 8.5%. So we were going to go through some of the viewer ideas of why there might be less black MLB players today and see if you agreed with them. All right. So So the first one came in. Someone brought up the idea that people like Hank Aaron came from Alabama in the South, but football has become so big in the South. Do you think that's had any effect on uh, the participation in baseball? No, I think the South as a whole has been, they've generated some pretty elite athletes all throughout the years, Uh, whether it be football, baseball, or basketball, the big three sports here in the States. Um, But I don't think that that plays a whole, whole part in Major League Baseball players. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think it makes too big of a difference, especially with the trend that football is going in right now. Uh, I don't think it's made too much of an impact on baseball. I think the second question has a little bit uh, more of an impact, though. They were saying uh, for inner-city kids, there's a lot more basketball courts built now. It's cheaper and easier to take care of. And uh, do you think that has any effect on it? 100%. The inner-city doesn't get uh, the funding that... uh the more wealthier areas do in regards to rec parks. Um, so you, all you have to do is have a gymnasium or a few courts out back with chain link uh, courts, and there, boom, you have a whole rec league. Whereas baseball, you have field maintenance, you have a grounds crew, you have grass that you need to ke- keep um, watered and maintained, and people aren't down to, to serve the community like that, at least not from what I see. For sure. you know You know how expensive it is to keep a baseball field up and running, and then... Uh, like visiting New York with my dad, going down every street, there's a court, and obviously shirts versus skins on almost every court. Mm-hmm. That's going to obviously lead to more people trying to play basketball for scholarships. Uh, the third one that came in, I was a little more controversial about the idea of role models. Uh, it was One viewer said that since baseball is such a difficult sport, it usually needs mentorship. And uh, lately... The trend and stats have said that black athletes don't get as much mentorship from their family, the way they're raised. I think that's a little bit of a general stereotype. I was just curious your opinion on it. Can you repeat the uh, statement? Yeah, so they were stating that because baseball is so difficult and needs mentorship, the kind of lack of a father figure, they said, to be exact, can hurt the impact of a black baseball player. Uh, I don't think that plays a factor at all. In, in the disparity between 1975 statistics and today's day and age. I agree. I agree. I think uh, we also can see how important coaching can be. We can see how mm-hmm. important having somebody off the field mentoring, whether it doesn't have to be a family member. I think there's a lot of different things that play into an athlete than just a parent. Agreed. So the last thing was, the it kind of ties into the last statement. There was a bunch of stats about how in the 1950s, Black families were, you know, more to more together in a sense. Uh, do you think that the division of family has any effect on it? No, I don't think that plays a factor either. Uh, was, I thought it was like kind of the same question, but I wanted to give that that fan uh, 
the chance to ask it since they sent it in. No. I, I don't, I don't. They had brought in the idea of higher church attending back in the day versus now might have an effect, but I don't think we can bring religion into a sport like that. Uh, no, not at all. I think it's more about a player getting the opportunity to develop, and in, especially we said in those inner city areas, players aren't given the opportunity to or develop. Or environment to develop. Correct, yeah. I mean, you go to Southern California, there's baseball fields everywhere, nice weather. You can go to the inner city, and there's there's a lot more basketball. There's a lot more. Uh, just, it seems a little more tight-knit. and it It's seems, easier. It's easier, and it seems to some of the kids it's the way out of the city. 100%. Um, I know where I grew up. I grew up near Dorsey High School. For those of you that are familiar with the Los Angeles area, it's a pretty poverty-stricken high school, and there's a park uh, called Baldwin Hills Park that's right around there, and there's a field, three fields that were funded by the Dodgers and that were built um, at this park to house the Little League teams and a, um, whatchamacallit? Kind of like a travel team? Right, like a travel team to host and whatnot. And after about three to four years, slowly you saw the deterioration of all that work and money that was put in due to the fact that there just aren't people that are willing to put in the time or effort uh, to the kids in their future um, in regards to making them a baseball player. Or better yet, giving them an opportunity to do some extracurricular activity aside from basketball or football. It's good to hear that, these, that they have these academies going on, though, mm-hmm. that are trying to promote the growth of the sport because... Uh, with all the issues happening in football, I think this is a really good time for, for baseball to step up its game, and they're mm-hmm. trying to make it more appealing to the younger generation. So that's, a, that's, that's good news to hear, though, from you. No, there, is, there are attempts, but uh, it's the attempt. You have to follow through with it. You know, you can't just fund all these parks and throw a whole bunch of money into a community that doesn't have people to facilitate the process. Right, and, yeah. it's all, and the, the process is obviously going to be a difficult one, as we saw since the baseball strike happened in 94. It's still been a process for baseball to try to get back on the map. Mm. And I think they're doing a good job. They're, obviously, there's still room to improve, like you said. And it's going to start with the youth. With the youth, it always does. you got to get them excited to play the game. 100%. And I think, in large part, the real reason, in my point of view, um, why the there's a decrease in African-Americans playing professional baseball is one um, teams got smart and started realizing that in the Dominican Republic and in Mexico and in Cuba, there's some really good ball players that will sign for not a lot of money. And so obviously you're going to go there and you're going to sign these young kids and have them come here um, $50,000 and they're happy to, they're going to take that. They're not going to bargain or try to get anything more from that. Um, also, there is a uh, with club baseball here in here in Southern California. It's getting very expensive, and so you have these kids in the inner cities going to Inglewood High School and Dorsey High School and Crenshaw High School that want to play the game. They love the game, but their parents just can't facilitate the cost. And so there are these tournaments in Arizona. And I played with Garcia Parra Baseball Group for those of you that know, and I wasn't able to afford to go to these tournaments in Arizona. Yeah, I was invited. But my parents weren't able to come together with $1,000 to go and send me for a week to go play ball. Um, and so that's the case with a lot of these kids under exposure. They have the talent. It's just the coaching and the exposure. And I think that baseball is trying to funnel away from the inner city and more cater to suburbia. Yeah. Uh, off the first point, definitely the the city with the most major leaguers is Santa Domingo in the Dominican Republic. 
and so five years ago was that that was the first time that happened and they have not looked back since it's still growing and then definitely you see with I, I mean softball and baseball are the same I know my cousin was playing softball and she had to spend like $500 on jerseys and then uh, I start to see some of these travel teams and how it costs $500 for a summer mm-hmm. here in Southern California I don't think yeah. people understand that just one summer can cost up to $500 just to have the privilege of playing on the team that doesn't include hotels and travel and then you look at you know rec basketball and you have to pay 80 bucks for a season yeah, you know? and they run through AAU for a lot of stuff. They have more of a, even though it's had its own controversy, they have their own established way of getting kids exposure. Baseball doesn't really have that established. I mean, Little League's too young, in our opinion, at 12 years old. The, estab- the established way, though, is through club baseball and tournaments and showcases. And yet those you know? cost money still. Exactly. So that's where the issue starts to unlock. But thanks for coming on, Darian, and sharing your opinion. We really do appreciate it, all of us here. Thank you for having me, Stryker. Well, that's all the time we have for this week on Loose's Mulligans. Thanks for tuning in to episode 39 here. And, of course, thanks to my guest, Darian Sylvester. Thank you to him for giving us such an honest opinion and something he lived through so far and has done a great job with and is a great role model for us to move forward with. I'm looking forward to the changes in baseball. Can't wait to see what they do going forward as we've already seen some steps forward uh also i'm now going to be on point radio where i'm a student athlete so wednesday nights at 7 p.m go to point radio if you google it's point loma nazarene's radio station called point radio and on 7 p.m pacific time 10 p.m eastern time tune in you'll hear moose's mulligans live on wednesday nights on that radio station so exciting new stuff you'll see news on it on our website coming up this week But until then, I'm going to send you off with Money Talks and BS Walks on Moose's Mulligans. Catch me live Wednesday, and I will see you on this podcast again Sunday.